Ladies and gentlemen, this is uh, kind of exciting because it's our first town hall meeting. It's live. That means you can listen in. And of course, if you have any questions at all or observations, all you need to do is email office at optimalbio.com. Now, the topic is, I think, one everybody goes to bed thinking about, and that is the coronavirus. And with us is somebody we can learn a lot from. He is the medical director and the owner of Optimal Bio, Dr. Greg Brandon. And as always, a pleasure to have you take some time for us. What is the virus today? Have things changed? Bill, what I want to do basically is threefold here. I want to take this fear in this time and understand that it's justified in some cases, Mm -hmm. but to look at the facts and what the true numbers are at, to talk more about coronavirus really is, and then we could actually go over what I believe are some optimistic things we could do in light of this to actually increase our health, okay? All right. So first off, facts. Coronavirus makes up uh, adenovirus and coronavirus, the two number one and two viruses that actually cause the common cold. Coronavirus is a simple virus based upon RNA. The D, the, their nucleus is based upon RNA strands. Ours is DNA, which is double helix. RNA is one side of that. All right. So that's what the virus self does. And what it does, it needs a host, some type of cell to actually use that DNA machinery in which to duplicate itself. That's how a virus works. Uh, it mutates very, very quickly. If we tested, if we had a, a, a test that was very accurate, which you don't have as of yet, say five years ago, and we tested the 7 billion people in the world, about 15, 18% of us would have it. Okay, it's, it's, it's there, it's the common cold again. Okay. But it really hurts those who are sick critical care, immunocompromised, and having comorbidities. The highest risk factor is males over the age of 80 with three comorbidities. And even in that group, about 94% survive. Oh, let's paint a picture for me. Who gets infected? I mean, most show no symptoms, but those that really suffer from it, who are those individuals? Those are people with diabetes, hypertension, obesity, the end results of metabolic syndrome, where you have low testosterone, high adipose, uh, insulin resistance, those kind of people. Also, history of strong lung disease. Smokers living in very bad polluted areas, Wunan, China, Northern Italy, those kind of aspects. Also, where the sun's not been hitting, north of the equator, primary 35th, uh, uh, 35th degree latitude. But I wanna have something very interesting. Of those who do get it, 99% recover, and not just recover, they're immune for life. Our immune system is based up in two parts called the innate and the acquired. And it's very interesting how the body works. When the body is young in childhood, when we get these childhood diseases naturally, not via vaccine, that primes our body to actually be prepared to fight others in the future and actually decrease our cancer rates because the mechanism is in the same process. But more importantly about this, this coronavirus, again, understand the fast, how fast it mutates. So you want to have a defense against that, our immune system. And we'll spend more time in detail talking about that. So it's spread by aerosol, primarily respiratory. We talk about being on contact services. I'm not convinced on that because again, it needs a host which to replicate, but at the same time, it makes sense. It's been proven, washing your hands is superior. Um, but again, I want to focus on the death rate is less than 1%, equal to the common cold, I mean, equal to the flu, other than if you don't have those comorbidities. Well, let me give you some numbers. For in the United States, we have 607,000 who are, have been infected anyway, according to the tests, and that uh, gives you a death rate of uh, 0.0078% as it sits right now, the population. North Carolina is even less than that. 
How does it spread? This is important. Again, we're talking, I'm not an expert epidemiology or virology. Obviously, I'm a medical doctor, a surgeon. I've studied this stuff. But it's important that we have experts disagreeing. Mm -hmm. We have experts saying millions of deaths. Now they're cutting back to hundreds of thousands, now to tens of thousands. But you look at the overall population, and we have to understand, is that test correct? There are two types of tests being used right now. An antibody test, which has that your body's been exposed to it, and a test called a qualitative test called the PCR, PCR, which actually takes a piece of the virus itself and amplifies it multiple times. That test by the maker, the, the Nobel Prize winner who said this says, you don't wanna do more than 35 amplifications because in the background noise gets amplified as well because all the test is is positive or negative. It doesn't say corona, it's just positive or negative. In this test, it's 45 amplifications. So maybe more background noise, via me and more false positives. So what I wanna do is what do they use to test? The WHO has two criteria. They have a test based upon antibody or the qualitative test. Also, based upon symptoms, cough, fever, pneumonia, bill, those are other reasons to have those. So therefore, they're actually maybe overestimating the number and therefore can actually be overestimating the death rate. But even using those numbers, it's less than 1%. See, I think this is incredible news, good news for everybody. That's what I think. And testing important from your perspective? Will that give us, an, if we get an accurate test, an accurate number? No, Bill, I don't think tests are the most important. Why, Why, Greg? I think treating symptoms are more important, right? Right. If you have pneumonia, find the cause. Is it viral pneumonia or bacterial pneumonia? You know, this is important. That's important. Why is that important? Because then you know the treatment plan. All right. You know, you have a thing called a cytokinic storm. We'll talk about that a little bit later, how vitamin C works for that tremendously. Uh, you want your immune system to work, but not overwork. What an example is that? Autoimmune diseases is when your body is overworking, attacking itself. So you don't want it to be an environment where it overattacks. And we'll talk about how vitamin D and vitamin C inhibit that. All right, you can also ask questions if you'd like. If we don't hit it here and you say, I gotta know this, all you have to do is email us and we'll get the question in front of Dr. Greg Brandon. The email address is office at optimalbio.com. Now, if I could ask, there seems to be a lot of cases in New York, for instance, and then other states that don't seem to have any at all. You have California, which you would think would have a lot of infections, which doesn't seem to be hit as hard as New York. Any idea why that might be? Yeah, and for those that we're on Zoom, we're on, you can email us, we're on Instagram Live, we're also on Facebook Live. Beautiful. So uh, check all those things out. Okay, California, good point on this. Latitude's a little less than New York. They may have had colds or flus earlier on, so those they were there and now they're gone. New York being further north has less latitude, less vitamin D. That's why also very close containment in New York City, right? right. You have seven, 10 million people in a close area. Um, I think that's, that's why. But we look at things, Bill, this is important again, is what does this really do to the healthy individual? And if you get it again, you're immune for life. I, I wanna send out there, there's literature out there by, by doctor uh, from MIT, um, Dr. Uh, Vijay, there's literature from Bill Sarde, there's uh, papers out of Stanford, there's a ton of stuff that's optimistic on what we can do on this, okay? That's why it's important to understand. Well, 
Let me bring up social distancing because it sounds like a lot of people who are making decisions would like to continue that for a very long time. You also mentioned social distancing. as Is it a factor in maybe holding down the infection rate and thus the death rate? I'm not convinced on that. There are people that say yes. There are people who say no about the flat curve. Um, I'm a little concerned because when you look to corn, uh, tuberculosis is a great example of back in the past. How do you get rid of that is get out of quarantine, get out in the vitamin D, get out in the fresh air. That's very important. A study came out just recently, I think today or yesterday, saying in your house, pull back your curtains, open your door, and get light and get wind. You're saying get outside. Yeah, get outside. Get out of the house. Yeah, so I'm not convinced on that. Um, And again, there are people that are adamant on one way that it is. There are people adamant the other way. That's why I'm going to try to do get the confusion out and focus on what can we do, okay? Not guessing, but what can we do? Now, common sense. My mother-in-law is 88. If I had a cold or a cough or anything, I'd avoid her. Of course. That's just common sense. Sure. But we've done that for years without anybody telling us to do that. It was common sense. Grandma's smokes and she, and she has a little cough and your new baby uh, has, a, has chicken pox. You're not gonna hang out with grandma. Right. That's common sense. But for those who are in the high-risk groups, the critical care, the, the immunocompromised, the comorbidities, yeah, it makes sense to me to do that wash hands. 20 seconds of wash hands with soap is far superior than anything else. You may have already answered this, but I know that it's coming back up in discussion and the ways that we can prevent ourselves from getting or spreading it. And one of them is the, the mask. They're now talking about mandating the mask, and a lot of people have fallen back on the mask. Is it an effective way to prevent infection? There are some experts that say, no, it does not. There's some that says it's mandatory that it will be preventive. I, I, I'm Again, I'm torn on that because I'm not such an expert on it. But again, coronavirus, flu, have the same death. We don't do that for the flu. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's important to me to understand these processes is understand why. And therefore, keeping your body hormonally balanced, the right supplementation of nutraceuticals, the right exercise, we'll go over the details, the things I want to take opportunities for this to alleviate your fear. So what can you do to do this? For those who believe they want to wear gloves and wear masks, fine, no problem with that. But understand your gloves only keep you, but they're still going to spread if, if it is on there. Uh, the mask itself, there's some people that say the pores are not small enough to actually block the corona because the corona is such a small virus. So there's both sides out there, Bill. Side effects from washing your hands, for instance. Do you feel that these disinfected gels are, are an appropriate thing to use? Okay, a couple things. I'm a surgeon. I've washed my hands 10 minutes before surgery for the last 30 years. A nice emollient lotion is really good. Coconut oil, those are really important. I do that. But again, the studies show that 20 seconds of washing warm, soapy water is not just equivalent to the gels, but superior to the gels. Really? Okay. Now, the gels themselves can work, but there are side effects. They actually are what's called a xenoestrogen. They lower estrogen levels. Are you kidding? I did not know that. If you're listening and watching and you have questions, don't hesitate to shoot us an email at office at optimalbio.com. Of course, you can watch it on Facebook, Instagram, and of course here on Zoom. Let's move into opportunities because thus far, I'm very encouraged. This has been good news overall compared to where we were just a couple of weeks ago. What can we do besides what we have been doing to protect ourselves? Yeah, I'm going to get a little nerdy here. I believe our immune system is the, our operating basis. That's the key. Two brilliant men, 1800s, early 1900s, Pasteur and Bechamp. One Pasteur believed that we got sick from diseases, from these things you can't see. Bechamp said, 
I don't agree. They're always out there. A stronger immune system or healthy could defeat them. They go back and forth called the cell germ theory. It seems to be more sense to me because let's look, I'm gonna do some hard numbers here. We're about 7 trillion cells, human beings. We have over 30 trillion virus cells in our body at one time. We have over 60 trillion bacterial cells in our body. Our gut's virtually all bacteria. Those bacteria are symbiotic with our body when we're healthy to actually make neurotransmitters for our brain and protect us from autoimmune diseases such as uh, thyroiditis, rheumatoid arthritis, kidney diseases. So there's a, there's a synergistic relationship with, with bacteria and viruses with our bodies. So not all are bad. So it's important to understand what our immune system does. Again, you have two types of immune, well, third, when you talk the brain. The brain immune system is completely separate from the peripheral body. That was Dr. Paul Patterson at Caltech. He was the one that actually found that out that the systems do separate. They talk through the circumphalant venous opening in the blood-brain barrier. They can pass monocytes back and forth, but they're separate. So in a when you're born, you have an innate immune system. That, that works by what's called phagocytosis. It doesn't matter what the stuff that comes in, your body will attack it and eat it up. Then you have an acquired system where your body learns how to do it. And they have two types. They have what's called the humoral and the cell-mediated. The humoral are the antibodies, okay? The cell-mediated is you have these lymphocytes that actually attack the bacteria specifically for them. It's such a beautiful symphony, Bill. It works so beautifully. But it needs things to work, such as C, D, glutathione, A, zinc. We'll go over that a little bit later. So my thing is right now, babe, the opportunity here is understand the greatest, greatest defense is a great offense, right? right? So how do we get our defense ready? Offensively, we can take action, sleep, nutrition, exercise, decrease stress factors, and increase what we've lost. And we put that back on our body. Now our defensive system is acquired because those who are healthy, again, 99% complete recovery with complete natural immunity forever. And I won't go, that's important. You and I got chicken pox as a kid. Right. We're immune for life. This generation got chickenpox via vaccine. Now you're, you're immune antibody-wise for 10 to 15 years. I want the one for life. Well, of course, absolutely. Now you mentioned vitamin D, uh, C, D3. There's all kinds of vitamins. You touched on how in the past this interacts with your body. It's based, you've used uh, the, the term gasoline. You've all kinds of way analogies to try to explain this. Why is this so important and why? In fact, I actually read a piece where a doctor was talking about the ventilators really not being a smart way to go and actually mentioned the vitamins being a great way to treat seriously ill people. So how does that work? Let's go over, let's go over pure physics again. Our lungs are a bag of, of balloons. Okay, they want to be expanded. So there's a lot of air in them. The volume is big. When volume is big, pressure is low, called Boyle's Law. When pressure is low, the transmission of oxygen in and carbon dioxide out is more efficient. All right. Pneumonia, infection, inflammation, then the volume in the balloon gets full with water. So now the volume decreases, pressure goes up. A ventilator increases pressure. Mm. There's multiple papers out there showing maybe having the ventilators actually increasing the trauma that's occurring because of the virus, number one. So what does vitamin C do? Very interesting thing here. We're the only mammals that don't make vitamin C. And we're the only mammals, most likely, that get affected by corona. That is interesting. Now, we have to eat food to or take uh, supplements, supplements right? 
Now, vitamin C has a couple things. Study out of um, showed uh, out of WashU showed mortality rate, overall mortality rate. If your vitamin, if you take a thousand milligrams of vitamin C a day, decreases mortality rate across all ages. But in Fort, here's the function of the vitamin C. Number one, it's anti-inflammatory. Again, back to our reaction. When we get infected, you want inflammation to attack the the, the protein, the foreign protein, but you don't want it to overlap and attack your body. Okay, so vitamin C controls anti-inflammatory. Number two, there's a thing called oxidative stress. When we have these oxidation reactions, when you have extra electrons, and when extra electrons are out there, that causes damage. Our immune system uses that to its benefit, but actually too much of it causes too much damage. Vitamin C actually decreases the oxidative stress. Vitamin C also works at the cellular level, modulates it. How about this one? It's also antiviral. That's incredible. Why aren't medical professionals talking more about it? They are now. Um, we did a little blog on this uh, in, in December, talk about this, in the, this type of season, we talk about taking these things. Right now, um, out of Hopkins and other places, they're showing about high dose vitamin C by IV actually decreases the cytokinic storm, it decreases the reaction. So I'll get more detail on that a little bit later when I put them all together. Um, vitamin D3, uh, it's very interesting. Vitamin D makes our immune system work better by exposing the antigens on these things called dendritic cells. At the same time, again, not making it overlap. So it kills what it's supposed to kill, but protects what it's not supposed to protect. Of the 23,000 genes in our body, vitamin D3 affects 3,000 of them. So we're looking at something much broader because it works. Zinc is another example. Zinc affects over 400 different samples. And we now know from coronavirus or any virus is killed because zinc can actually blow open its membrane and kill it. The problem is we don't keep enough zinc in our body, but things like hydrochloroquine actually increases, called ionophore, increases our intracellular zinc. Wait, I've heard that word before. Yeah. And um, a lot of people poo-poo that. Uh, the study That's a malaria drug, isn't it? Again, and the malaria drug we've been using for years. Right. Okay. But again, why does it work in malaria? Back up. It increases our free zinc levels to attack the cell membrane of the malaria. This is all making a lot of sense to me. The other thing you mentioned earlier was getting outside, getting some sun, maybe, I don't know, take a walk, do, and you know, and, and it almost seems as though the message has been early on, let's, let's stay in the house or in the cruise ship and you're not getting that. Why does that work so well? We've used this Rebecca history. The Spanish flu showed the same thing. Uh, the tuberculosis outbreaks. Vitamin, again, why do these things happen in the winter time anyway? We're confined in the house, we're not getting vitamin D. That's why it's important to understand fresh air is, the UVB rays are crucially important. Our body's brilliant, it takes cholesterol. And using that converts it to vitamin D, one, and then you get UVB light hits our thing and converts it to vitamin B, uh, vitamin D one slash 25, which then it now binds to our DNA on 3,000 of our genes. There are studies to show how it decreases dementia, Alzheimer's, vitamin C, vitamin D together. Why again? These are really important things. When you get a free electron, you have things like vitamin E, glutathione, that actually have the extra, they actually have the power to absorb these free radicals. Then you need something to recharge those. That's vitamin C. That has two of those electrons to actually be done again. Um, at the real cellular level, what happens is we get sick when the mitochondria dies off. What is mitochondria? In your cell, where these nuclear plants that takes the oxygen we breathe and converts it to a proton gradient that forms energy called ATP. That's mitochondria. I'll give you an example. Cyanide works on that. 
All right. And you die when yeah. it works. It works very rapidly. So when that's optimally optimal, such as pneumonia, what does that do? It decreases the substrate oxygen in your body. Boyle's law again, expand the alveoli, less pressure, uh, less pressure, more transfusion. It all makes sense. You look at physics, physiology, anatomy, all working together. Uh, what about diet? How important is your diet? Phytonutrients, color, 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 color. It has your zinc, it has your indolol threes, it has your uh, your seleniums. Very important, because I don't like causing these things supplements. These are cofactors into which the, these asthmatic reactions occur to allow our body to work functionally. So we can increase what we're lacking through food and of course supplements. And this will ultimately give us a greater protection than we, we probably would normally get by not following these really simple things. That to me is gonna be an opportunity to talk about a little bit later, because yeah. I want to talk about also Drinking water. Hydration. Our body is 70% water. Our body only works at a pH level 7.2 optimally. That means exactly balance of hydrogen ions versus alkaline ions perfectly so when things work. Temperature matters. All this stuff matters. I think what's going to be the optimal part after this whole, we get through this corona, because next year will be something else. Mm -hmm. In the past, was something else. We learn more all the time. Biochemistry, physiology does not change but our knowledge of it is at hand. For those of you joining us, we thank you for that. You can communicate with us via the email by sending your question or comment or observation to office at optimalbio.com and be happy to put it in front of uh, Dr. Brandon. But let, let me tie this up together. Sure. I want it to be simplistic and detailed. I wanted the complexity of our body to be at least touched, all right? Because this is not a simple one plus one is two. It's more like one to the power of three times multiply this, the power of that. It's, it's very complicated. Right. That's why the answer, it's if you have to understand all the mechanisms, it gets crazy. But our body knows what to do with those mechanisms when given the things it needs to work on. So to be real simple, five basic things in life you need to do to be healthy. Five. I don't care what time of year, what time of day it is. Number one is sleep. Crucial. Your body cannot recuperate, cannot remember memories, it cannot heal unless it sleeps. Number two, we must eat. Right nutrition, okay? Colors, fat, proteins, the right complex carbohydrates. Number three, we must exercise efficiently. And exercise means walking, sprinting, not in the gym for five hours. Get outside and walking. Number four, decrease the stressors in your life. We look for multiple animal studies and human studies. Being confined destroys our mental and physical ability. That's some concern about containment over a long time. And the fifth thing is then replenish what your body has lost or your body needs. And that's why I can't stress everything I've talked about. Testosterone, estrogen, and progesterone are the, is the gasoline for every process I talked about period, with thyroid. T3, which is the hormone made by the thyroid, is actually there's a T3 receptor in every cell. Here's what I tell patients. Your thyroid is your, you put a key in your ignition and turn it on. Thyroid is your RPM. Mm. Every cell has that, the T3. Mm. You step on the gas, that's your torque and power. That's your testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. You need all of those to use C, D, A, your phytonutrients efficiently. That's why I'm very optimistic about what we're doing in Optimal Bio and other doctors putting this together because the treatment now is hormonal balance, IV vitamin C, zinc, D, and A. The thing we've been talking about for 12 years at Optimal Bio. So you've given us, I think, some very good news where we're at with the virus today, some of the numbers that are out there, all of it is very encouraging and really what 
each individual can do to not only prevent, but if you are unfortunate enough to be infected, there are just simple vitamins and, and, and other techniques that doctors could use that your outcome would probably be better than what we're seeing right now. In fact, more doctors are, are actually moving in that direction. Right, and Bill, I want to focus on the, on, the, on the poor people that already have comorbidities, right? Let's understand we got to take care of them critically. I understand that. But let's try to get less comorbidity, okay? We look at, when you look at the number one cause, of, the number one risk factor for men's death is a waist over 40 and a woman over 35. That's adipose, that's insulin resistance. That is, again, low testosterone, not balance of estrogen and progesterone. That's not having the proper diet. These things are, a lot of these comorbidities are preventable if the person has the knowledge in which to act. And if you don't have the knowledge, certainly here at Optimal Bio, you have all of these covered. If you were to maybe put a list of three things together, what would those three things be to um, prevent and or get us healthier and stronger? Again, Bill, I'm real big on sleep, food, exercise, and replacement of our, our supplements. And the supplements could be the zinc, the iodine, the C, the D. I think, I think that's repetitive what we talked about, but I think the, the, the key thing, Bill, is those five things we talked about, apply those to your life, will be actually make your body healthy and be able to sustain infections and sustain the environment where we're living in. And begin to understand how the body works, especially as you do. It all makes sense. It really does. Any final thoughts as we wrap this up? Well, I'm hoping to get more questions. Do we have any questions coming in? We do. If, if so, I'd love to get Let's them go on. Qu- the question, I like questions a lot better because than talking. So one question we have is um, back to COVID. From a medical perspective, how do you reopen the country? Wow, it's a heavy question. So you're asking me to be a doctor, a politician, a guru, and all that. So how I'd open this, I believe in freedom and liberty. And, and I believe as individuals, we'll make wise decisions for our, our, our neighborhoods, our communities, if we, act, if we act on freedom. So I believe you cannot be free unless you act free. And so this is important. And I, get a, I know I'm going to get a little preachy here, but I'm going to do it. The Declaration of Independence declares why men are free, mm-hmm. period. And I'm God bless we're in America. And those natural rights are not based upon a government or a government official okaying it. The government gets its power from consent of the governed. So therefore, we as individuals make our own choice. That to me is the best way freedom works. The greater good is at its best when the individual's free. So how would I open that up? I'm gonna close it down in the first place. I believe that our body and system could have done this in its natural way. And communities that have sicker people I would avoid my mother-in-law. We would do that naturally. We don't need to be told to do We've that. We've done it in the right. past, have we not? And again, the number one thing for death and poverty is a poor economic environment. Well, a lot of people right now are frightened by the but, economic, but, but they're also very frightened. But, but let that sink in. There'll be more deaths from economic poverty than from coronavirus. We've proven that with their numbers. Right, so yeah, back to medically. Um, how much vitamin A, D, and zinc? Okay, so what would I do to strengthen your body? Um, I would I would do a couple things. If you're not sick, 10,000 of vitamin K, uh, vitamin D3 with uh, K2. I would do 5,000 vitamin A. Unless you're a pregnant woman, you cannot do vitamin A over 4,000. It affects the baby's eye. I would do three to 4,000 of vitamin C throughout the day. And I would do uh, 50 to 100 milligrams of zinc. And I would do 12.5 milligrams of iodine. That's what I would do. Now, if you're a healthy person who's sick, 
Uh, Dr. Brownstein has a great book on this. It shows he would do 50,000 of vitamin D for five days. He would do 25,000 of vitamin A for five days. And he would do um, 6,000 of vitamin D, uh, C for five days. I'm, I have a question. It's just and then, and then 100 of zinc. In addition to all these supplements, you brought up testosterone and estrogen, hormone replacement. How important is that, especially now? That, that again, if the comorbidities are diabetes, Let's stop with that one first. Diabetes is increased insulin resistance where your body cannot, insulin cannot do what it needs to do to glucose. What's the number one hormone to inhibit insulin resistance? Testosterone. 30 years ago, testosterone levels were four times higher than they are today. Oh, by the way, we have more diabetes today than we did before. So being optimally balanced with testosterone for both men and women decreases not just one of the comorbidities, but diabetes obesity, hypertension, cardiovascular disease, and strengthens muscles. You don't think about this. What muscle, what two muscles work the most in your body? Your heart and your lungs. Don't you want them strong and optimal? That's why testosterone, I can't stress enough, is the fuel to run all the process we spent the last half hour talking about. It's testosterone. Swine flu is very interesting in that the numbers there were very small as compared to today too. They, it was not the IPROC was supposed to be. But let's back up a good a, a bit, an instance. If you're sicker or immune, your immune's compromised, doesn't matter what it is, it could be any virus or any bacteria, you're more prone to infection. So the comorbidities, this is it, it weakens your immune system. Okay, if I was in a test 40 years ago in, in medical school and they asked how coronavirus spread, it'd be aerosol, it'd be respiratory tract. This is a coronavirus, so I'm assuming that. How long does a virus live on a, it's called a fomite, on an inanimate object? I don't know that. I don't think anybody knows that. Right. Um, but your hands to your nose, your hands to your mouth, that's how you spread any virus or any bacteria. So the answer is, I think aerosol is definitely confirmed. Is it six feet? Is it 27 feet? Again, we hear experts debate on that. What about, I've heard this term, herd immunity. Is that something that can be achieved, especially if you're Okay, her, her immunity was by two mathematicians in Baltimore that mathematically want to know if naturally acquired infections could be a herd immunity. It's never been used for vaccines. It's a mathematical question. Oh, I did not know that. And we have human immunity, say, with, um, we have MMR vaccine with 98%, yet people still get measles and mumps. So the answer is, herd mentality was a mathematical equation, so the answer is no. But again, common sense for those who are immune compromised or sick or comorbidities, we should avoid them, and they should be pumped with vitamin D, vitamin C, vitamin A, and zinc, but then avoid those who would possibly have sickness, yes. So is it, is it um, that the, uh, the, the politicians or the leaders don't have confidence in the people to do just that, use the common sense? I mean, we love people. We don't want to infect our, our people that are in our lives that are... Well, well, first off is how many doctors are in the Senate? I know Dr. Paul. Yeah. What'd he say? Let's get rocking and rolling again. Okay, so some of these politicians. But for people listening to watch it, I mean, but but but, uh, they, they, but, but politicians are not experts. Okay, right. and experts also can be wrong. Right. Okay, that's why it's important. Let's look at their track record. Again, the numbers they predicted is the worst pandemic the world's ever seen, and it's not close. Okay, so therefore, I want to do what we can control. What we control, Bill, as you said, 
Use our brain, use our common sense, have our hormones balanced, have our nutrition, our sleep, all that stuff. But then if grandma's sick, let's keep grandma isolated and give her the vitamin C's, the D's, and all that kind of stuff, right? Right. May, I don't need a governor or somebody to tell me how to do this. Well, no, and, and I was just really kind of referring to the people who are joining us now on Facebook. The and- confusion is... There's so many different people with so many different things. I understand. That's that. right. That's I'm my cutting, confusion. I'm coming through this. I'm speaking at Optimal Bio as Greg Brannon, who's done some research, is not an expert. I happen to be an expert in hormones, an expert in nutrition, and some. I got that. But we're talking something that there are brains out there. But we have experts from Stanford, from Cambridge, from MIT uh, that are just dis- they're disagreeing with what other officials are saying. So therefore, it's important that we take that confusion away and go back, what can Bob do? What can Greg do? What can Mary do? And that says, take care of your immune system. Well, I think that's incredibly important. Yeah, so we have two more last questions before we wrap it up. Um, One, I think you mentioned this, but how much vitamin A did you say for healthy people? 5,000. 5,000 if they're not sick. If they're sick, 25,000 for four to five days. This is a great protocol by Dr. Brownstein. And lastly, um, can people take vitamin C and D if you have kidney stones? Good question. Depends if it's a calcium-based or uric-based ones. Hypercalcinemia, this is important. The American government says vitamin D is optimal between 30 and 100. They recommend closer to 30. 30 has been proven. Vitamin D is not a vitamin as we think per se. It's actually a secosteroid or an anabolic steroid. Um, 30 protects rickets. You've heard of rickets, that childhood disease, yep, weak bones? Sure have. That's all 30 does. There are studies um, from WashU that showed if your vitamin D is above 60, you increase your life expectancy four and a half years. Okay, there are studies that show that if your vitamin D is above 60, you can decrease Alzheimer's 72%. There are studies that show if your vitamin D is above 80, you can decrease recurrent breast cancer 400%. Wow. So there's a bunch of stuff I talk about vitamin D. So I like closer, above 60, closer to 100 in that range. But the kidney stone part about it, Dr. Miller wrote a book, on a paper on this showing that 50,000 a day for months will not get the hypercalcinemia, okay? But important, vitamin D is fat soluble, so is vitamin A. It must be taken with fat. Vitamin C, take multiple times through the day on an empty stomach with water, it's water soluble. So I think you've empowered a lot of people. You know, I certainly, I, I feel a lot better knowing that A, the numbers are looking a lot better, but also that other than just washing my hands and staying six feet away from people, there's other things we could do. Yeah, Bill, part of it is the arrogance mm-hmm. that I had that I said, let's do a, a podcast, a web Zoom, it, it's it, a Zoom, get talk my piece. I'm speaking again, it's not arrogance. I just wanna lay out, let's put the stuff we have no control away and let's do what we can do. Right. The common sense stuff about it. But people are meant to socialize. We get depressed. We don't, right? Yeah. Okay. We, do. we get. Why are suicide rates higher in the su- in the winter time? All these things. So what I wanted. Yes. Another question. Sorry to interrupt. Uh, to prevent type two diabetes, what are your experience of using L orlene? So you spell it. W a r l e n e. I don't know what that is. The best thing for type two diabetes. V a l i n. I, I don't know that actual drug and this mechanism, but I'm gonna go over a couple of things. Type two diabetes, all the drugs in the market do one thing. It decreases the goal of your carbohydrates. Mm-hmm. The number one way to get increased carbohydrates is eating them. So decrease eating them. That's what's important, all right. okay? So for diabetes, what's really, really important is to understand the standard American diet is based upon falsy data. 
What you wanna do is eat fat and protein and some complex carbohydrates and colors, always colors, I can't stress that enough. So how you decrease type two diabetes is eat less carbohydrates, walk, but I can't stress enough how important testosterone is for that. It does the function of actually decrease, burns fat, inhibits insulin resistance to occur, and balances your glucose levels. It also gives you the mindset and the energy to want to do those things. And maybe, Tyler, maybe because of this stuff, maybe in the future, we could spend a time touch talking about how diet testosterone works for diabetes or other things like that. Yeah, that's probably a good idea because we just had another question about uh, type 1 diabetes. Okay, type 1 and type 2 are different. Type 1, your body doesn't make insulin. And we give insulin for that. Life-saving. Type 2 is your body makes too much insulin but your body doesn't utilize it. It's a different mechanism. Dr. Fung's book, Obesity Code and Diabetes Code, if you guys are interested, go to those books, read those books. It shows the mechanism of how we did, we treated opposite what we should have done. We should restrict food, would then make the insulin be more efficient. Beautiful. And then uh, we had a question, yes, um, he was referring to Dr. Brownstein. Okay. That is it, are you sure? But Tyler, you, you talk to our people here, if down the line this is interesting, people like this, we could do these you know, every two weeks, every three weeks, whatever you be, want. That would be a lot um, of fun. I, I do like being asked questions from you, but I love from out there. Nice. But I hope, here's what I'm gonna leave people with. Nobody cares more about your life or your health than you do. I believe the answer is in the mirror. I, I'm, I'm a doctor that believes Google, internet, Bing, do it all. Read everything, the pros, the cons, everything you possibly can, and then look at the results. Okay, look at results of people's recommendations, look at people's track records of predictions, and look at those kind of things. But we know good food is crucial, good sleep is crucial, good exercise is crucial, balancing hormones, the thyroid, I can't stress enough how important that is, and tie that together with, with the testosterone, estrogen, progesterone. Those are crucially important. We have a book, Hormone Handbook, come out in two weeks. Um, our webpage, our blogs every day are out there. We, we believe that knowledge is power and our hope is to transmit knowledge out there and when we're wrong, tell us, we wanna learn, we wanna learn too. Well, I don't want my arrogance ever enough to block, to make me ignorant. Ignorance is lack of knowledge, I do not want that. Well, Dr. Brandon, as always, I've learned a ton and I appreciate your time and for those of you who joined us today, whether it was on uh, Facebook, Instagram, or on Zoom, you can join us on our website, too, for a lot of information and other podcasts. And, of course, any questions, any concerns you have, pick up the phone and call. And there are people here who are more than happy to answer your questions. So, Dr. Brennan, thank you. And to everyone at Optimal Bio. Yeah, I want to end that thing. Understand, under chaos is an opportunity to excel. Let's do it. Let's try to do that. All right. Thank you, everyone. Thank you for joining us.